Hi, I'm Angus Newell, and welcome to Cinemates, a podcast where a bunch of mates chat about cinema over some drinks. In this episode, I'm joined by the Cinemates boys, Michael Sestouli and Nick Stallone. Together with Michael and Nick, we discuss the 2000 cult classic, American Psycho, directed by Mary Harron and starring Christian Bale, Reese Witherspoon, amongst a stacked cast. While drinking some El Toro Tequila Palomas, Ranch Waters, and Mango Margaritas, we chat about Christian Bale's persistence to get the role of Patrick Bateman, the film's most iconic and sickening scenes, and our interpretation of the ending. As always, make sure you're following Cinemates wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a five-star review to support us. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Cinemates. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors now. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. I am nothing! Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Keep busy, Larry. Gentlemen, Nick and Angus, the Cinemaze boys. How are we? Back. Good. Yeah, very, very good. good, Michael. Very, uh, very keen for this one. Me Love too. Love a good uh, intimate session with us three. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, me too. We haven't we haven't done one in a while, no, have we? No, too? no, no. It's good. Yeah. Strap in, listeners. This is a big <laughs> one. And just before we get in, we've got some very exciting news. We've now got a new partner, exclusive tequila sponsor of the Cinemaze podcast, El Toro Tequila. Yes. Huge. Massive news. Welcome, El Toro. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to the ride. <laughs> uh, and they have some amazing tequila and coffee tequila spirits, as well as these ready-to-drink mixed cans. So I'll mm. just read out what they've got. We've got the lime ranch water, which is tequila soda, mm. mango margarita, pretty self-explanatory, and the grapefruit paloma, tequila, lime, grapefruit, and soda. Now, so, we haven't tried these yet. Yep. We're going to try them live on the podcast. Live so, right here. Mick, you have to pick the first one. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to go a little silent pick here. I'm waving my hand around <laughs> listeners and I'm going to land on this one. Paloma. Okay, Paloma. That was clearly <laughs> shotgun the mango one. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Hey, hey, they're all going to be the mango one. I haven't tried. I like, all I like tequila and lime. All right, right. right. we've got some for me. fully live reactions here. We're pouring them into glasses uh, with ice. We must say also drink responsibly. Drink responsibly over 18. Over 18. And right. Nick's going to try it first, go. his mango margarita. Oh, damn. That's that's actually really nice. I'm wow. not, I'm, I ain't just fronting. <laughs> that's, I'm not capping. That's good. Okay, I'm going for my Paloma. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be awful man, that's content. so good. Actually, no, yeah, slurp, yeah. slurp louder, I a swappy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's yeah, do yeah, a little yeah, swap. Yeah. Slurp louder, I reckon. Sorry, I'll just slurp again. Wow. Oh, that one. <laughs> Dude, the listener's going to hate that. Oh, man, that. I'll tell you what, sorry, just Angus, before you give your yeah, take. Yeah, yeah. They're very light. They are very light. And refreshing. Yeah. I've had the uh, overwhelming. I know there's some people out there who like hate the taste of tequila, mm. but it's definitely not an overwhelming no. woof. Yeah. Like you've made it yourself. I've it's had good. the tequila lime soda over here. It's 1000% better than what you get in a bar on a night out. Wow. Like it's a lot more limey, which, mm. which is lovely. Sweet. I am um, happy like, with that. Honestly, because you think it's going to taste heaps tequila, if you're not a big tequila fan, Give the standards are like 1.3. Yeah. And during responsibly, you, you of course. sort of don't taste the tequila too yeah. much at all, which yeah. is no. nice. Very refreshing. Very but I, I'm a tequila fan anyway. So, yeah. I, yeah. I drop. I, not to be a hero here, if that is being a hero, but I actually buy 
tequila sodas. So wow, that, um, <laughs> have you that, seen this? Oh guy's my abs? god, <laughs> Michael, that actually tastes phenomenal. So very glad and lucky to be partnering with you, El Toro. Awesome. And yeah, welcome. Yeah, welcome to the cinematic. You podcast. can pick them up at uh, Dan Murphy's, I believe. Yeah, so uh, we'll leave a list of their main resellers, but you can pick them up at the Dan Murphy's, BWS Celebrations. Yeah, if and you're moving in- forward. Um, if you want to pick them up online as well, we'll probably have a discount code yes. you can use and yes. we'll, we'll talk more about that on our socials. Correct. We'll leave lots of links, lots of discount codes. So stay tuned. El Toro, amazing drinks. Some authentic reactions for this great episode. <laughs> now let's get into it. Ooh, American Psycho. Yeah. yeah. American Psycho. Also, if you heard some rattling in my <laughs> microphone, I'm currently wearing a Patrick Bateman raincoat, blood covered. Covered in blood. I'm yeah. wearing my Dorsia shirt. Angus is wearing... Nothing. I'm wearing a blood-soaked shirt. It's like... Is it blood-soaked? It killed a guy before this episode. Um, It's a go method. But yeah, we're going method for this one because it's such a huge film. Highly requested. Yeah, highly requested. It's such a film as well that... I don't know about you guys, but I see it pop up on my social media all the time of different memes and clips. So it's definitely... Stayed relevant for one of our. We watched it the other night years. for the pod to refresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of our housemates hadn't seen it before, and we were like, oh, "Do you want to come watch it?" And he was like, "I feel like I've already seen all of it yeah. on TikTok." Yeah, hundred percent clips. But he watched it, um, enjoyed it. Know, I think he enjoyed it. He mm. wasn't as wrapped with it as what what we are and what a few other people sack him. But you know, <laughs> drop him, drop him. Yeah. He'll remain. He's exiled. Uh, yeah, he'll remain, remain nameless. <laughs> I can't even speak. <laughs> That's um, yeah, well, let's get into it. One word recommendation and five-star rating, boys. What okay. do we think for American Psycho? I'll go first. I said my one word was decadence. Okay. And I gave it a 4.2. Nice. Angus? My one word was um, methodical. Okay. And Interesting. I gave, it a, I gave it a five on the rewatch, um, okay. but I'll go 4.5, just an average between my few rewatches of it. Yep. Nice. I'm going to go one word, vintage. Uh, reason for that is that I think that this movie, especially when rewatching it this week for this episode, it gets better with age, like a fine wine, mm. a vintage wine. So um, that's why... Don't, don't say any uh, wine brands. No, no, no. We, we hate wine. <laughs> we tequila hate and wine. beers only. Um, <laughs> but yeah, vintage, great film. I gave it a 4.5. For me, yeah, I kind of thought five-ish on the rewatch as well, but... Dial it back. Still a stunning film. I think. I think you guys give out fives way too easily. Yeah, Excuse that's me. why I cut I it. Think that's I why I covered. I have had less than twenty fives of movies, and you think about yeah, all the movies I've, I've watched in my life. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. true. Don't, I feel like Michael be putting blankets. Well, all right, out right. There. I, I, not so much Angus, but <laughs> you, Michael, for sure. You give away a lot of fives. I'm a bit of a five. The, the thing <laughs> is, not the, to say the yeah. word. The movies we do on the podcast are always going to be good movies. So apart from. Most of the Marvel films, but let's yeah. not get into that now. No, that's another episode. <laughs> that's um, another well, let's episode. get into it. Um, I just want to say, first thing first thing to be said, uh, soundtrack. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It, yeah. Sure, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stick with me. Didn't really, fair. yeah. But it didn't jump out to me like, a oh, I love the soundtrack. It sort of just fits. I guess a good thing about a good soundtrack is that it fits the style and you don't really notice it in a bad way, but mm. it didn't. I but I, I would say that the songs on the soundtrack are very iconic for this movie. Oh, when you Especially say, when you say soundtrack is in the song choice. I mean the song choice. Yeah, not, yeah, not, yeah, like, not the Lewis, instrumental no, score. No, no, no. Yeah, not yeah, the yeah. score. Okay, I mean, right, yeah. the, the Huey Lewis my bad, and the news, my bad. Phil yeah, Collins. Yeah, Phil Collins. You like Phil Collins? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. I think as soon as, because early in the movie, he 
and and there's a lot of memes and TikTok of yeah, all yeah, yeah. clips. Of him but walking, walking through with the, the Walkman on, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, like me and my headphones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm walking on sunshine. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Get it in early because it's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it, the cool thing about this movie as a whole is obviously you can look at it like it's a thriller slasher horror film about murdering mm. people. Yeah. When deeper than that, it's sort of like a a play on hedonistic culture and like yuppie mm. culture and obviously framed framed through the lens of like 1980s Wall Street who yep. like the the men of that sort of group if you'll call it were like notoriously just misogynistic wanks yeah, yeah. yeah misogynistic like money driven money, money driven yeah. and obviously it's sort of poking fun and i didn't really understand the the point of the film and that's what we'll get into but like i do like the that layer of just like highlighting that terrible part of it's a good a lot point because i like the movie in a sense, you're looking at it in that metaphorical way and, mm. and the play on like a societal aspect. But yep. you can also go into it with a with just like a really, uh, if you're in like a funny mood and you're, and you're watching it, there's just a lot of very highly comedic scenes. It shouldn't mm. oh, be comedic, absolutely. but it's the way that how outrageous pa- Patrick Bateman is as a character yep. that mm. they just like you, you laugh even though they're very serious matters. 100%. Definitely. That's definitely a point I wanted to raise. Um and as well with this, it's one of those movies where I think it's fair to say that it's very sort of one character focus. Like there are other characters there, but like, you know, yeah. Christian Bale's the the lead. Like he mm. carries the film, yeah. does it in such an amazing job. I think his American accent and just his accent work and vocal work in general across all of his films mm. is phenomenal. Yeah. If you hear his voice in real life, I was shocked when I heard what he sounds like. He sounds like this. You know, fucking, you know, Welsh he's got a bit of a Welsh accent. Like, yeah, well, I don't know about it. You know, and he has the most yeah. amazing accent in so many of his <coughs> films. Mm. He absolutely carried that as well. Like his physique and everything. Oh. He just, he looked like a psychopath. Yeah. Was definitely. it, um, was it only Batman Begins and like Dark Knight that he was doing the method where he would do all his interviews in an American accent or did he start that? I didn't actually he, know the psycho too. He, I was going to talk about this later, but he uh, on set at all times spoke in an American accent. And at the That's end cool. of production, some of the film crew, when he started speaking in his Welsh accent, yeah. were like, what? what? I thought you were American. <laughs> um, and he apparently did a few interviews whilst in the character of Patrick Bateman. And on the point, I was going to save this for later because this is a pretty juicy uh, Here we go. part of it. Fun fact. Um, a lot of fun facts about the development of the movie. It took yeah. over 10 years to make. The book was written by Brett Easton Ellis in 1991. Wow. Gained a lot of fame for it. Yeah. Um, and they started trying to make the film in 1992. Now, I'll quickly say a fact and then I'll talk about the development. Fun fact about uh, Christian Bale and him playing the character. Uh, to convince the author of the book that he was the right actor for the role... Mm. He went to dinner with the director, Mary Harron, yeah. as Patrick Bateman. Damn. And the author was so scared and blown away <laughs> just in this restaurant that Patrick wow. Bateman in the flesh was there and just like nailed the accent. Yeah, Obviously na- nailed the physique. Yeah, He'd already, yeah. you know, got that yeah. skinny 
shredded look to him. Yeah. He got his Michael. teeth. Yeah, pretty much based on me, even though I wasn't born. Um, got his teeth straightened. He tried to model himself like Tom Cruise, apparently. Um, he, he modeled it off one of Tom Cruise's interviews that he saw that it was like felt like are Tom you was like serious. He felt like yeah. he saw this interview by Tom and Tom was like just really lifeless, like behind the eyes. Oh my and he was God. like, that's how I'm gonna present him. Mm. <laughs> Pretty Jeez, scary. Poor Tom. Sorry, yeah. Tom. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big listener of the pod. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now quickly, just on the development. So it took 10 years to make. Yep. Originally, Johnny Depp had interest in playing Patrick Bateman. Okay. Brad Pitt was also attached to Star. Leo, wasn't it? Leo. Yep. So Leo came on. He thought that uh, the director, Mary Harron's vision of being kind of comedic, mm-hmm. very twisted, wasn't the right tone for it. Okay. So he made a list of directors that he wanted on the project. He listed out Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, Oliver Stone, ended up signing on to the movie. He started changing the script. Um, you know, they thought that Bale would struggle with his Welsh accent to be Patrick Bateman. Um, and then he did that restaurant thing where he yep played <laughs> Bateman in real life yep. um, and Leo was still attached but Bale really wanted the role mm. so he within like three weeks went to the gym got insanely shredded did the whole Tom Cruise Tom Cruise modeling thing um, and then Lionsgate the production company still didn't want to cast uh, Christian Bale wow and they then pushed for Leo to stay on. Edward Norton was in the mix as well wow. at some point. So they oh went through all this stuff for about eight years. Fast forward to 1998. So it's been seven years from the book releasing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and and um, Christian Bale was like pining for it that whole time. Whole time. Still Think about this. He filmed the movie when he was 25. So at that point, he's pining for the movie when he's like 19 years old. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah. Was he 25 yeah. at the time? Yeah. Oh, my God. Crazy. Yeah, he looks incredible. I know. Um, and then Lionsgate, uh, because Leo kind of didn't like where the script was going, he dropped off the project. Finally, Lionsgate brought Mary Harron back on as the director. Leo dropped off. Leo dropped yep. off. Sorry, yep. I reckon it's because Leo couldn't get as shredded as Christian. I think so too. <laughs> I don't think we've ever seen Leo. No, shredded never, like never, that. never, no. Absolutely, <laughs> good dad bod. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they then offered it to Ewan McGregor. Who turned it down because Bale told him, yeah. like, please don't take yeah. this role. Oh, man. <laughs> He's still clinging on to it. They then spoke to Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Edward Norton again, and Vince Vaughn. What? Vince Vaughn? <laughs> yeah. What? They all declined it. And then they finally agreed to take on Bale, but they yeah. said they would only pay him 50 grand, which is pretty low for a That's very lead low. actor. Yeah. Wow. And then they said that the rest of the cast had to be well-known people. And we'll yeah. talk about the rest of the cast because yeah, there's some big names. Yeah. They tried to get Winona Ryder to play Evelyn, okay. the love interest. Mm-hmm. And then they finally started filming in 1999. Wow. That's, so that's it went through a crazy lot. development. And yeah. Bale that's a lot of in it. and outs, in and outs. He yeah. turned down roles to pursue it. Pursue it. Mm. Wow. So insane development and it just shows, as you said, Nick, in how Bale portrayed him, accent, mm. the look of him, everything he did. Even the insistence <clears throat> on getting the role is very Patrick Bateman-like. Mm. Yeah. And people said that it was going to be career suicide for him. Yep, he has, he, that, he has that interview where he yeah. goes, oh, they told me I couldn't play Chris, uh, couldn't play Patrick Bateman because then I would just be Patrick Bateman for the rest of my career. Exactly. I said, well, fuck look it. at him now. I said, fuck it, bring yeah. it on. Yeah, yeah. And they could have told me I couldn't play... Batman. I said, fuck it, bring it on. Good. Yeah, yeah we love Christian Bale. He said, I'm a shit actor if I can't like step out of those roles yeah. after yeah. portraying them. 
And do you think that this kind of well, we were obviously young when it came out. Do we think that this made his career like kind of what it was? Well, I I I don't know that, but oftentimes I think when people think of Christian Bale, they do think of this role or Batman. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much Batman, but they definitely think of American Psycho, even though he has done a plethora of other amazing performances since. Do you want to start? Should we dive into the film itself? Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump in. So as we've said, it's, you know, about yuppie culture. It's about, you know, I think think we all know a few Patrick Babins in our life, but (laughs) the... I think it's so funny how you see any everyone from is it Pierce and Pierce? Pierce yeah. and Pierce, yeah. Yeah, P and P. They're all vice presidents. All vice presidents. They never do any work. Mm-hmm. Never the whole time they're never doing any work. All they're worrying about is dinner reservations. <laughs> yeah. And their their business Valentino cards. suits and their business <laughs> cards. And I think that's that's so funny. Especially It's all about keeping up the appearance. All yeah. about keeping up the appearance and like how others perceive you. Mm. Um I just know that there's just a, a, again, I'll use this word, plethora of quotes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and iconic scenes that mm. still, like we said, get used a lot today. Like they hold up so well. Or they hold yeah. up so well. And like you said, Angus, so many comedic things that just happen. Mm. For example, I'd like to jump straight into the business card scene. Probably, Let's do it. probably the, I'd say, apart from the, uh, murder scene with Paul Allen, mm. the most iconic scene in this movie yep. with the business cards. Top three for sure. It's obviously so it, in in Patrick's head, it's so um, important what everyone thinks about his business card and they yep. all look the exact same. <laughs> yeah. They all look the exact same. Having said that, I do think that Paul Allen's does look the best. Yeah. I, did, I remember watching that for the first Why time going, they're all the same, but I was like... <sighs> the subtle off white card. The subtle off white card. Oh I God. was like, I was like, you know what? I'd, I'd say probably like the filmmakers want me to think that, even yeah. though they're so subtle. But I remember being like, I do like Paul Allen's the best. Oh my God. It even has a watermark. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the way that it's, 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 sh- it's shot mm. and the filming techniques... Like the close-ups, the slow-mo, the, mm. the welling sound in the background where yep. it's like, you know, that's nothing, Papin. Look at this. And it's like, whoosh, like a big whoosh as he, like, as he puts it yeah. down and the close-ups and he starts sweating. And I've watched that scene so many times that I forget how comedic it is. If you watch that scene out of context, mm. you'd think it was from like a Saturday Night Live yep. sketch. It's yeah. so funny. And people have put in like... Pokemon cards and stuff over the top in like <laughs> memes and stuff. And it just fits so well. Yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite scenes of all time. Mm. And it's just one of the most iconic scenes of this film. I think it's done so well. Definitely. I think that first viewing of this scene, you're kind of just like so in cap- like captivated by it. Even though, as you said, on paper, it's such a like dull thing, like showing a business card mm. and they managed to, <clears throat> make it so dramatic. It's like it's, his life depends on it. Yeah. yeah. And we can see Bale or Bateman just like withering away oh. as each business card is like better than his. And and, every, and no one's, no one's you know, complimenting his one anymore. No. They're all talking about it. They're going, whoa, that's nice. Yeah, like, they're, like, look at, they're all like, look at mine. Look yeah, mine, yeah, mine, yeah. Look at mine. Let's, let's see Paul Allen's. Yeah, let's see Paul <laughs> He grabs it and it goes into <clears throat> Bateman and he's, and he just, he just drops, <laughs> yeah. he just drops, he just drops it. it. Especially because at the start of the scene, he's like leaned back on his chair like, yeah, 
picked him up on the printers yesterday. Um, and, yeah, just and then he just gets away. and he gets done by everyone else. The, another thing that I noticed about that, which I wrote down to say, is before so he like obviously sees that Paul Allen's given him his mm. card. Yeah. And he goes, right, okay, I gotta show mine. And then he whips out his card holder. And then one of his friends goes, Is that a gram? <laughs> like, like cause they're so Highly strung. Highly strung. Yeah. And they're just obviously massive cocaine addicts and yeah. don't do any work. They're just thinking, yeah, yeah, let's whip out a gram of coke in our boardroom and stuff. <laughs> like that obviously would have happened. Yeah. I just think that's such a funny line. He goes, is that a gram? I'm like, yeah. come on. This is All a quotes. Like you got the back to like dinner reservations and stuff. Mm. Just like a quick quote. It's at the very end of the movie, but they're talking about reservations the whole time, mm-hmm. getting ones for Dorsey or whatnot. This bloke in the group um, just says, Look, guys, I'm not really hungry, but I would just like to have some reservations somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just want reservations. What is the yeah, point? Yeah. Also, I noticed this on the rewatch. Everyone only has one business card. Yep. In yeah, their, yeah, yeah. In their sachet. Yeah, they can got... hold like 50, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think about the practicality of that. Like, I did notice that. Are yeah, they yeah. meeting one person to give that to per day? But it, they're not just giving it to them. They're just, I think they're just, they've just got it to show people like, yeah. look at what I've got and then I'll take that back. Thanks, you don't <laughs> yeah. need it. Because I, so I, do I don't do any work anyways, so yeah. you don't fucking need it. And uh, also in their mind, they probably think I'm more important than you. I don't need to hand you my business card. Yeah. Like, uh, no. Yeah. So, ba- and Bateman's present, uh, the, um, his job is, give, I'm pretty sure he got it through his father. Yeah, yeah. That you get told that very briefly and he just walks into work with, with his headphones when you see him enter work Walkman. first day. Mm. You know, goes, yeah, I'm not here. Clear my schedule to his assistant. And <laughs> he here. just he yeah. just sits on his chair, puts his feet up, chucks a telly on. Yeah. Like he's rocked up to work at 10, 10 a.m. Yeah. yeah. In in like a side office, like on Wall Street. Yeah. Making yeah. heaps of money doing nothing. And it, and the way that he talks about like even in the opening monologue, which is getting his iconic, mm. he before he even says his name, he tells them where he lives. He goes, I live in the American Gardens building. Yeah. Obviously, that's meant to be an amazing building. And then uh, later on when he tells Willem Dafoe's character, <laughs> where, you know, where do you live? I live in the American Gardens building. He goes, very nice. And yeah, then he goes, thanks. yeah, yeah, you bet. And then later on, which is I think is another hilarious quote. He goes to Paul Allen's when place. When he goes to Paul Allen's place and he goes, I'm on like, I, I have like a- An a, utter sense of shock. An utter sense of shock me. that I realise that his, his apartment looks over the park and is probably more expensive than mine. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just hilarious. It's so- that that level of satire is just so mm. funny, and mm. it's not like in your face. Well, it is, but it's it's just so subtle, and the way that the narration is combined with the cinematography and how they shoot these scenes, yeah, is just so well done. And just quickly on that, as you spoke about the slow mos and the amazing way that these scenes are shot, the cinematographer I'll probably butcher his name. Uh, Here we go, Anz- and Zedge Sekula. Nice. That <laughs> that was, if you exactly saw the spelling right. of that, that you was, would. That was pretty tough. You'd do the same thing. Um, he also did Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs wow. with Tarantino and a few so other he's movies. Good. good. And it's that very kind of crisp, clear, like, I don't know what cameras they use, but it does have that very kind of glossy, mm. especially it's when got a look. you look at those apartments look. and things. It's got yeah. like a very. Kind it's of got a very 90s, general, yeah. 90s look to it. Yeah, yeah the whole set design as well just captures that feel too. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, so simple, mm. he is, but he's also an American psycho. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, his apartment is just so simple, mm. cleanly laid out, uh, very OCD. Mm. Shall we white. talk about uh, getting to the murder scene, Paul Allen? Paul Allen. Yeah, because that's the fir- you, I think the first scene where he kills someone is the homeless person, if I'm not 
mistaken. Mm. Yes. Where he stabs him, which I get think a, is get weird a job. Well. Yeah, he sta- he starts he starts by being nice to him, and then as soon as the guy grabs his suit and like sort of muffles up his suit and he knows that he stinks, he freaks out <laughs> and goes, you know, you're you're a loser, you know that, and then stabs him to death. But I want to talk about the scene with Paul Allen. Mm. Again, do, you, do we think he decided to kill Paul Allen one because Paul uh, got his name wrong and didn't know he was Patrick Bateman or whatever, or is it because of the business card incident? I think it's a combination, combination. of both. Yeah, I think it's and you then got he the goes account and then well. he goes, yeah, like that loser Patrick Bateman at dinner. And mm. He goes, yeah, like that. that That's loser. the iconic meme where he goes, yeah, and then does the yeah the scrunch up. Face. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um, and okay, I had a question for you guys. You know how he's taking some. Pills, he says it's to Patrick Bateman. He takes the pills yeah. before he kills him. What pills is he taking? Wrong answers only. <laughs> I say they're bonus suppressant pills because he's about to kill someone. <laughs> and he gets excited. <laughs> massive heart. <laughs> I reckon it's a Viagra, like yeah. the opposite. <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. Come on, let's get hard. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> let's get rock. This is daily vitamin mix. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got yeah, like a Vita gummy or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some, like he chooses some, multivitamins before he makes the kill. Or, or it's like a bit more modern than that. It's like some ashwagandha or something. Like Maybe. A really nice herb sort of mixture. It's like a, it's like a custom blend. For yeah, custom Patrick. blend. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, obviously, I, I actually wanted to ask you guys this because I didn't understand this bit. It's an element of the film which I love. But like this scene and like the scene with the prostitutes where he puts on music and talks about it, mm. I because it, it it is such a, like a a big part of, his and he does character. it and he does it twice in like <clears throat> he does it twice. twice but he's great. I mean he's he you and you notice him he's got his Walkman and he's listening to music, and mm. I wonder what 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 importance that has to his character. I was sort of thinking when he speaks about it to people, mm. sort of like the scene earlier on at the bar where he talks about. Sri Lanka and like ending apartheid and stuff. Mm. It's almost like a very rehearsed mm. thing to make him seem human. And I don't know. Okay, like, I've got a good take on this. So you know, he's artistic. I don't know. Like he uh, is a what you would classify as a sociopath, right? Yep. So he's not in touch with human emotions. Whenever he's like saying those spiels about certain things, you know, Sri Lanka, the political space, mm. music. Or music yeah. It sounds like he's reading it off a Wikipedia page. Yeah. Like word for word. Absolutely. And he's, and he's, and he's practiced it or he's got palm cards. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's probably a way for him to seem, as you said, seem human, human yeah. and relate to other people. Yeah. And then people go, oh, you know, that Patrick Bateman guy is pretty insightful or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes with this quote where he breaks up with Evelyn mm-hmm. and, she, and he's just like, he doesn't care. He's so blank faced. She goes, you're inhuman. And he goes, uh, uh, I'm in touch with humanity. Mm. He doesn't correct her and says, no, no, I'm human. Yeah. He goes, I'm in touch with humanity. Oh, yeah. that's so he a knows, great point. Because he's a sociopath. Yeah. He knows how to get people to like him and he mm. knows how to, you know, play them. Yeah. I think because he also says to Evelyn earlier in the movie, he says, like, because I want to because fit I in. want to fit in. That's yeah. one of my favorite quotes as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that, and this is probably a bit more sick and twisted, mm-hmm. Especially in the Paul Allen murder scene, he uses the music to cover up his yelling and the sounds of the okay. axe yeah, going yeah. into the That's body. That's a good point. I so I think, think that, that he's listening to music and rehearsing the background behind the artists and the songs. Two two pronged reason: one, to be able to kind of distract them with the background as he prepares his murder weapons, like he's talking to 
Paul Allen about Huey Lewis in the news, yep, talks yep. about the metaphors of the song and mm-hmm. whatever. It really speaks to the band itself. Um, but he's he says that to distract them and he's listening to it in the office to be able to do that. Yeah. Mm. Because when you think about other scenes where he's got the Walkman on, he's doing his stomach crunches, his a thousand stomach crunches, and he's listening to like porn. Yeah. He's got so I think or, or, that's or he's what got, he enjoys. Um, he's got uh, he's got like either porn or murders. The, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. movie yeah. in the background. So that's his like leisure. That's his music. listening. That that's a sickening yeah. scene. That yeah. for both of those, I was like, whoa, dude, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So I think that he just it also covers up noise as a very practical sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's a great. Well, yeah. Thanks for alerting me, fellas. And I, no I think worries. his explanation of Huey Lewis and the news as a band and as this as the song as well. Mm. Um, I, I can't quote his, you know, his explanation perfectly, but mm-hmm. if you actually listen to it, it's a bit of a he's explaining himself and his drives and why he does what he does. Mm. So if you if you're if you're listening <clears throat> and you go back and watch it again, listen to that and it's literally explaining like the song. Yeah, the song's about like hip. It's hip to be square. It's like it's yeah. cool. To cool to just be, be normal. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fun fact on Huey Lewis and the news. Obviously the. Uh, scene that it's played in yep. is very gruesome and against the song and like you probably wouldn't be, want to be attached to a scene like that yeah. as a music as a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and in the press... It's the only reason I know that song. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Like you would never not like connotate the song to the scene from American Psycho. Mm. Um, a lot of media when the movie came out were pressing Huey Lewis and the News a lot about their thoughts on the song being in the soundtrack and in that scene. And they got kind of misconstrued as, like, they didn't like the violence of the film, but they got misconstrued in the media as hating the song. And it even went as far as to be like they dropped off the soundtrack. And so they boycotted the movie, not because they hated the scene that it was in, but because the media... Spread all this the media fake attention. News. Yeah, was actually becoming detrimental. Correct. Them. Yeah. So oh, they, as I always say, like any it. publicity is good publicity. So. Yeah. Um, Take it. Amazing scene. Can Can I talk about where the scenes with Willem Dafoe's character? I love the interrogation yes. scene. You know the fact about the three, and I the three know, takes. I do know the fun fact about the three takes. Tell the listeners. I'll tell the listeners. So there's three different scenes where Willem Dafoe is interrogating Patrick Bateman. Yeah. And the director told Willem to film it in three, film each scene in three separate ways. So the first way was to film it, the whole scene, like he thought he was oblivious, like he had no idea and he was just doing it for protocol yeah. to tick a box. Second was to play it like he was suspicious. Mm. And the third was to play it like he knew that Patrick Bateman was the killer. Mm. And the director splices each take in sporadically throughout each scene. I don't know if I've explained that pretty well. No, that that makes sense. You make sense. So what it gives off is this sense of like, hang on, does Willem know? Because he goes, he goes like, yes, some people just disappear. And then the next shot is him going like, funny. And he's like looking at him like, so yeah, where were you? That's a look look where you think he did it. But right before you just acted so nonchalant about it. And there's obviously Christian's um, reactions to what Willem's doing in the Mm. scene as well. So they've probably, that's been spliced too. Mm. Um, Mm. Because actors will just obviously bounce off off each other. 
Um, so the whole scenes is it? Does he do it with just the office interrogation no, scene? He, he does the, it with all all three. Or so the diner the, one yeah. as well. The, the yeah. two office scenes and then the the one diner the one too. Yeah. yeah. So each each of those is just a roller coaster in like trying to analyze. You know, does he know? Does he not does know? He not oh know. Yeah. It it keeps you on edge. Yeah. I it guess really it does. also it's such an amazing choice from the director and the performance that Defoe and Bale give is just amazing in it. And I think it just plays into the fact that like especially with the setting in these, we've talked about, you know, this group of people in the 80s on Wall Street, they can kind of get away with things. So in terms of how it played out in the movie, you're kind of like, you know, he's done these absurd things, but you can kind of see that he could get away with it. Yeah. And it keeps you so engaged because you're like, does he know, does he not, as Mm -hmm. he said. And I just love that, especially on the first viewing, you're kind of very confused and not with what's going on, but with what will happen. We had um, two first viewers in our rewatch mm-hmm. on Monday, um, and one was the was the guy I said who didn't enjoy it didn't as really much as we it. thought. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, the other bloke, one of our housemates, um, kept saying like he knew what was going to happen. He kept going, "Oh, oh, like oh, he's done it. Oh, he knows now." Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. and I was just sitting there going, "You, you got no idea." What's <laughs> oh, you have no idea. Strap man. in, buddy. You got to <laughs> be quicker than that, guys. buddy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, another thing with – sorry to jump in, Mike. No, you're good. Um, an interesting thing that I noticed on my viewing last night mm. is the times where Patrick Bateman breaks character, as in like breaks character from being like his mask fades. Mask and it's like, it's like little little moments. There's one where he's earlier on in the film where he's in the laundromat and he's talking to that girl and mm. she goes, let's grab dinner sometime. And then he goes – Next Saturday, she goes, yeah. And he goes, I can't. I got a matinee, blame is. And then like goes, like, I'll call you. And he's smiling. And then like right before, he just like, he's, he's yes. right before he turns. He goes, right blank. before he turns, he's blank face. The same thing happens when he's got um, that uh, lady of the night in his bath mm. and he's like splashing her with water and he's like laughing about it. Being like, Haha. And, then and then he gets get a the phone door. call and the same thing, he's, he's expression immediately goes, yes. and, like, and it's like, it's really, it's like a subtle thing, but you... If you notice it, you're like, wow, okay, there's obviously he's putting up a front there. Yeah. And he, oh, it's so unsettling. Yeah, it's so good in that yeah. sense. And he plays it so well. Yeah, he does. Another way that they present that as well um, is in the cab when he is taking his mate's or he, Evelyn's best friend out for dinner when she's zonked mm. on pills and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, They're in the cab. She's just talking and being a bit tired, mm-hmm. he's behind the cabbie's screen yeah. and his whole figure, his whole mm. silhouette is blurred mm. while you can see Evelyn's friend's mm. body and face yeah, perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Love that and that's shot. just a, that's just like a cinematography, a shot right there mm. that shows that he's got a mask on. Oh, know, yeah. There's nothing behind. There's mm. nothing behind. Yeah. Excellent uh, mise-en-scene there, as you will. <laughs> uh can I jump in with a scene that we haven't touched on yet? Jump Go. in, yeah. Please jump uh, in. Very iconic scene, the morning routine scene. Wow, we're going back. Yeah, we're going back. Okay. Because I think that this, for me, one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. because we get this because amazing you also narration. do this every day, yeah. don't you? <laughs> I was going to make that also, joke. I also, I actually have a... You also use an anti-aging eye mask. mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a honey almond body scrub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Insane physique, uh, but... That aside, you know, he's talking about this it, just so elaborate 
morning routine. It would cost thousands for all the products that he has. Yeah. Um, and he looks great because of it. He's got the ice pack if his face is a little puffy, blah, 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 blah. But the best part of this scene is that he's done the face mask at the end. He's looking himself in the mirror. And if you watch it for the first time, you're so engrossed in him pulling the face mask down mm-hmm. on his face and it kind of like catches yeah, on his eyebrow yeah, yeah. and stuff and you don't really listen to what he's saying but he mm-hmm. says a quote that like when re-watching you kind of watch it again and you think holy shit mm-hmm. he says i simply am not there yeah and that is like such a crucial part yeah. of his character but i wanted to say that on the first viewing you it's in one ear and out and you don't realize he's sick and twisted until he starts actually killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, no, I no, no, no. I sort of got, no. No, I, no. I, I, mean, yeah. I mean more so like that uh, scene, like the other scenes of kind of masking things, little details that he's a- It's a movie it's that It's a you, slow reveal. As we're yeah. mentioning all these cool little things we pick up on, it's a movie you have to watch like five times to yeah. literally catch every cool little Correct. nuance that they use. Yeah, and I love that it's a slow reveal to his true character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I think that that scene, um, whilst being so iconic, is just a great way of deceiving the audience. Okay. And I love- being taken on that. I ride. always use a face face wash that has little to no alcohol because alcohol dries out the face yes. and makes you look older. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it. Yeah. Um, can I can I talk about it? Can I can I get a scene happening? Yeah, you can. Okay. So scene I'd like to talk about is the iconic double murder scene where he's got the two prostitutes. He he had them over once. Um oh. they had sex and then he does this can before to you. Yeah. He doesn't kill that the double prostitutes or the one off the street and then the, the high-end one that he calls. Yeah. He doesn't kill the high-end one. He brings like his old business friend. Oh, you're right. Over. You are right. Yeah. Sorry. You are right. That's correct. He, he Yeah. So he does he does kill her. Mm. Um, but he does something. He goes like, no, we're not finished yet. Oh, and then goes and brings, brings out, out a coat something. hanger or some shit. He, yeah. He gets like a knife and then you just see them leaving. Like one of them covering her up. face. Yeah. Got a so cut what, on I wonder back. what he did there. He would have done some sort of knife play or something. And then the prostitute later talks about like, hey, I, I, I had to go to the hospital because of that. And it's never revealed what he actually does. Yeah. So I don't, I, that, that, that bit sort of confused me. I think there it was like he might have resisted his urges. Because I think before that he was talking about Oh, I feel like my mask of sanity is dropping. Um, yeah. My bloodlust is, yeah, yeah. you know, going through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, he might have resisted and just like, you know, beaten these girls up like a. Pseudo. I don't think. I don't think he beat them up. I no, think I he would have done something with knives because he he. But the, like, he goes he to the had drawer. blood coming she out had, of her she nose. Bloody yeah. nose, though. Like that's that's like a punch. Yeah, possibly. Again, we don't we don't know for sure. Yeah, I think it's pretty sickening, and I like especially because the way the scene plays out, like it's very lustful and it's insane. But like they have this threesome. Mm-hmm. And then he he like wakes up because someone's kind of like touching his watch. Room or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Touch, don't touch and, the watch. Touch, yeah, and then he gets up and goes to his drawer of like yeah, scalpels yeah, yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah. And it, the way that it cuts is just again, it's a slow reveal. We don't know what happened. Yeah, the prostitute says, oh, "I had to go to hospital," mm-hmm. and the other one's just like scared for her life, yeah, wants to get off. out of there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about and, back into that yeah. scene of the threesome where he's looking at himself in the mirror? Yeah, that's oh, that's so <laughs> he's just, <laughs> he's just staring at his physique. He's only looking at himself in the eyes in the mirror. Like that's not even. Yeah, just, we all know one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sickening. No, that's so funny. Um, 
But with the uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know if it's a bit inappropriate. I noticed they actually blanked it out from the because I watched it with um, uh, Par- with not Paramount Plus. I watched it Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah. I noticed they they blocked out this one line because one of my favorite lines when he's setting up the video camera, and then he goes like, "Christy, get down in your hands and knees so Sabrina can see your asshole." <laughs> Don't just stare at it. <laughs> don't just stare at it. But they block out whole. They just say ass. Oh, which really? I thought was interesting. So I don't know why that's <laughs> censored and nothing else in the movie is. Um, but don't you think the scene where he's chasing her down the hallway with the chainsaw and then drops it down, he does that like blood curdling scream yeah. is so iconic. And Man. something again we'll talk about with the ambiguous ending is how no one no one comes out of their door People and she's are screaming banging she's, on the doors, she's yeah. screaming banging and he's got a live chainsaw and he's he's screaming and she's screaming and no one comes out to rescue mm. her and that's when you finish the movie and you think to yourself you know when he doesn't get caught and when you know his lawyer at the very end goes no like that was funny prank patrick or whatever your name is mm. um you think maybe this was all in his head yeah you mean you certainly think that you shall think we that. Sh- and also I have this little with the all in your head stuff. Go, go, the, spin. The city that they're living in. This is New York, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like whenever he goes outside these buildings, when there's he's no inside, there. there's all these Wall Street people yeah, chatting, yeah. talking. When he's walking around, there's no one on the streets. There's, mm. And there's only the few finite characters that are in the movie that you see. There's no one on the streets. Like a New York as is known as the city that never sleeps. The city that never sleeps. That's he's running around idea. the streets. There's, no there's maybe there. one lady. There's the cat that he feeds into yeah, the ATM. Yeah. Like, yeah. One lady he shoots and then yeah. there's like a cop. There's a homeless guy. Mm. It's, yeah, it's like hardly anyone in, in Manhattan mm. at nighttime. Which it feels, is, yeah, it feels very like like almost post-apocalyptic or like, mm. a, like a weird world that doesn't really exist and it might yeah. only be in his head. Before we yeah. jump into the ending and, and the ambiguous and the, the question at the end, um, the the thing that I thought was funny is that that, that um, sort of thing he says, and I never really understood it and I don't. I still don't understand the meaning of it. When he breaks up with his fiance, and then she goes, "Where are you going?" And he goes, "I need to return some videotapes." Mm. And then Willem Dafoe goes, "Where were you on this night?" And he goes, oh, "I was probably returning videotapes." I was like, "That's a weird thing." But then, if you notice at the in the confession when he's calling his lawyer, and mm. he goes, "Like I've tapes of a lot of it." Yeah, I was taping it. So I don't know why that's like a. He's like, I've got you know, I was probably returning some videotapes of of me murdering. <laughs> These well, prostitutes putting them into live circulation, yeah. so then you know people go to pick up. Yeah. And, oh, I want to go watch Jaws yeah. tonight. Let's, <laughs> yeah, Holy shit, that is a threesome with like two girls getting murdered. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck. I think like you said this, Angus, when we were rewatching it. Like, it's just something you wouldn't question. Yeah, even though it seems so dumb, like mm. returning videotapes. Yeah, probably yeah. returning videotapes. Yeah, it's <laughs> back in strange. what is it? It's probably it's set in nineteen nineties. No, it's nineteen eighties. Nineteen eighties, right? Yeah, videotapes the only way you watch movies at that point. Yeah, mm. it feels like maybe returning a library book yeah. or returning a videotape. Yeah. People go, oh, okay, he's got to yeah. go do that because yeah. you know you might get the little fine or a, mm. a black mark on your on your account if you don't return them. They yeah. go, oh, you go, you go, you go do that. Yeah. So he just uses that as his one one excuse. He's figured it out as he's done with his sociopathic mm. stuff with talking about songs and whatnot. He's figured that out that it's his little out whenever he wants to get out of a situation. Mm. One quick thing uh, I wanted to say. When on the topic of videotapes and DVDs and things, when you used to rent a DVD from Blockbuster, Blockbuster or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know how there's like a few ads before, like 
kind of at the start mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, show a few movies kind of all mashed up in a montage. I remember being a kid and watching any movie with my brothers and it would kind of mash up all these iconic movies and there was always a little snippet of a guy running down a hallway in like, they weren't New Balances, but like white sneakers and a chainsaw. And I was and like, he's like and he's like naked. And, that's, and I was like, Whoa. I was like, James, they were like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's American Psycho. <laughs> little did you You've know. got to watch it one day. And then when I finally did, <laughs> yeah. that scene of him running down the hallway, dropping the With chainsaw. The sneakers. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. so iconic. Can we just say she's legged it out of the room after yeah. he's <clears throat> killed one um, woman in the bed. Mm. And he's taking the time to go grab that chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Turn it on. No, mm. put on his New Balances. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's like, hold on, sneakers. I'm going. I'm going running. I need to put my my sneaks on. It does. Got to be equipped. Yeah. It does. It, it's subtle, but it adds a lot. You're like, hang on, where did he get the time to put the sneakers on? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just quickly on that, the fact that it maybe it's all in his head, but the fact that she's banging on all the walls, again, it's in a, it's the American Gardens building. My interpretation of them not coming out was because maybe they're also doing insanely fucked things in there. And they're yeah. oblivious. They're to all psychopaths. People outside them. Yeah. It's, it's um, all so the just want to throw guys that in there. Freaks in there and like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. I'd, I'd goes. Definitely. I'd like to touch on the ending. Yeah. And like you said, thinking maybe it's all in his head. Obviously, you know, every sort of bit of literature or, or, or movie is up to interpretation. What's that quote? Um, you know, a thousand different readers of a book is a thousand different books, mm. as they say. But. <laughs> The director herself says in an interview, and I've got a quote here, um, when she's saying, people are coming up to me saying, oh, it was all a dream. It was all in his head. And she said, I never intended that. I just wanted it to be ambiguous like the book was. Mm. It makes it look like it was all in his head. As far as I'm concerned, it's not that. So Mm. the the guy who wrote the book even said he didn't want, he didn't think that this book could become a movie because movies, it's it's sort of a lot harder to be ambiguous because mm. the visuals speak for themselves. tell a story and they speak for themselves and you sort of get an answer from the visuals. Yeah. So I was also confused with this. I was going, well, that that that's definitely what you've portrayed here. That you, it says that it's all in his head. Mm. But something that I, I read this article, which I thought was was a great sort of insight and it talks about how you know how everyone like Paul Allen mistakes him for Marcus Halberstram yeah um all all these people are so self-obsessed that they don't actually know like they don't really care about anyone else they're all just Mm. caring about their image so it is possible that the lawyer you know he says oh Davis he calls Patrick Batman Davis it's possible that even he doesn't know who the real Patrick Bateman is, and he's yeah, yeah. so self-obsessed that he's actually because well, he's a to lawyer what, for all these top-notch Wall Street guys, and, and he's top-notch in himself. Exactly, and also how he goes back to Paul Allen's apartment and everything's been cleaned, yep. and there's no bodies there. You could say, "Oh, well, then that means it never happened." But you could also say the owner of that apartment saw all the shit that happened and went, "Oh no! If people know that there was a murder in here, I'm not going to get." money for yeah. reselling this so they just got rid Clean of it, it and repainted because you see paint they would cans. have they would have connections yeah, yeah paint cans. you see paint cans in the bottom where the the bodies were hung you see paint cans it used to be been, a very dark yeah it's been re, it, the whole thing's been repainted and the the lady who's selling the apartment i don't know if she's a real estate agent or mm. if she's the owner but she 
is like sus. She goes like, Get out. what are you doing here? Yeah, I want you to leave. She th- And then she goes, did you see the ad in the Times? And he goes, yes. And she goes, well, there was no ad in the Times. I think she's, she's sus. So there's something yeah. to be said about that. I think I'm on the side of that interpretation. Like mm. this is such a self-obsessed, no one knows who each other is. Everyone also looks very similar. They're yeah. all men. Mm-hmm. They all look, you know, brown hair, wear glasses, whatever. I think that I'm on the side of, they get away with it because no one cares and no one knows yeah. who each other are. Yeah. With stuff being so similar as well, did you guys pick this up um, during his rampage at the very end where he's running around the streets? He runs into an office building, runs in, yeah. kills the receptionist, <laughs> yeah. goes through to the to the lifts, looks around, and then goes straight out the swivelly door because he's actually entered the wrong office because all, yeah. build, all the buildings all seem the, to be yeah, the same. All the buildings are the same. That's true. <laughs> he runs to the next one. That's true. And, and, and you think he's going to kill him. He's gonna and kill him and, and he just... rips out his pen and he <laughs> yeah. smiles. That's such a funny scene. Um, and like you said, Michael, where people, where, where he's running down the thing with a chainsaw, like you said, you know, people in the American Gardens building hearing mm. that could just be so self-obsessed mm. that they're just worrying about their own shit. And they yeah. don't, they're like, oh, I'm not going to worry about that. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a... a, 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 a <laughs> Absolute nightmare. I'm not going <laughs> to worry so myself with that. The chick has wiped like yeah. blood on their door. They're yeah, probably yeah, they walk like, through like, like, oh, hang on. They just like turn up the stereo. Like, let's get some Huey Lewis happening here. <laughs> oh, no, la, 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 not hearing it. La, la, la. Yeah. So that's that was an interesting interpretation of mm. the end. But again, I think like the the writer of the book and the director, they want it to be ambiguous because there's yeah. weird shit that happens. Like he shoots the car and it with a Glock and it blows up. And he kills he, like four cops. And even he looks at the gun and goes, why the <laughs> fuck did that happen? Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. I think it like uh, one in 1,000 or 100,000 chance it could hit the, the gas. But <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I think Mythbusters did a thing on that. I don't oh, think really? that happens. Yeah. They like tried to just shoot like, <laughs> yeah, a hun- yeah. like 100 times through a car. I think yeah. Grant Himahara busted that myth. <laughs> yes. so, uh, uh, was, yeah, are we yeah, still on a- the end scene? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. Go, yeah. Just to wrap go, up go, and everything. Go, go. So, did you also notice that? when he's confessing um, to his lawyer, mm-hmm. while he's speaking to him and while the lawyer's speaking, he's just been in a little group with the guys all trying to get reservations, right? Yeah. And he's in a bustling little, mm. you know, bar. Mm. It All the background sound, the background chatter goes quiet while, yeah. he's, while he's confessing. It's almost as if you would think, because it's just on the two characters' close-up faces, it's as if you would think when he's confessing, everyone has turned just to look. Yeah. At what he's saying, yeah, and then when he like turns back, everyone goes, ah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, like it's as if like he's, he's like in some sort of little simulation, yeah, and, and he know, thinks that people are looking, played. people are yeah, noticing yeah, yeah. it, but they're not. And then like he says, he goes, "My confession has meant nothing. Like I have yeah. no catharsis. Yeah, I'm st- like I'm, I'm still, you know, not. And then I don't what's the quote? Out. He goes, he goes, I have, I have this deep pain inside of me, and I want to inflict that pain on others now. Mm. Yeah. Because he realizes that nothing matters and he can just get away with anything. Yeah. I think back to my word of vintage in this movie, Aging with Wine, like you can keep watching it and keep having new interpretations and seeing little things and taking parts of the film as a certain meaning. And I think that that is why it's such a cult movie. Timeless as well. Yeah, so timeless. Mm. And the reason for the author and the director wanting it to be ambiguous, Mm. ambiguous movies I think just carry over like such long mm. periods of time. Mm. And it gets people talking. This is still yeah. going to be getting talked about on podcasts for decades to come. Yeah. Mm. I Not think, as well as us, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think <laughs> try one, harder. <laughs> one thing, like this is to jump back to something we said earlier, like 
the kind of fake speech that he has at the restaurant with his friends about like ending the apartheid, more gender equality. Yeah. He says all these things that not so to get political, scripted. but like they're still so relevant, especially yeah. now. I was hearing everything he was saying. I was like, that's still something mm. that we need now. But it's such um, a cookie cutter. Yeah. They're the most generalized yeah. like, topics. <laughs> he, he said like you could go de- delve into those subjects in like full on doctorates and he's just like yeah. spanned like yeah, five to, yeah. very general areas Promote yeah. in 30 seconds. Like, yeah. He doesn't care about women. Are you serious? He's killing them. He's <laughs> killing them. Like the way he treats women is yeah. awful. Um, just before we wrap up, we haven't really talked about the cast. I just wanted to quickly name a few names. Oh, yeah, this is such a stark cast. Yeah. Um, Bryce is played by Justin Theroux. Uh, McDermott's played by Josh Lucas, mm-hmm. who we would have seen from Yellowstone and heaps of other productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, of course. Evelyn of course. Williams. Yep. Um, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Yeah, it's he's insane. Great. It's unfortunate that he's done some films that a lot of people will just go like, mate, you're a donkey. But <laughs> yeah. he's fantastic. And he's great. In, in this film. Yeah. Um, for, for the moment of time. For mm. that brief moment, he plays that. You know, asshole character extremely yeah. well. So yeah. kudos to him. A few other quotes I just wanted to quickly say Go that on. I love. Uh, first one, they're in the bathroom. I think he's with Bryce at yeah. some bustling club. Yep. And he's like, and some guy in the cubicle next door is like, hey, can you keep it down? I'm trying to do drugs in here. <laughs> and he's like, fuck off. Like, and they're just so aggressive it's about so it. so aggressive. And just insane. No one cares. They you say whatever one, they want. One guy touches... Um, Patrick's jacket like touches him on the shoulder yeah, 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 and he yeah, goes yeah. get your fucking hands off me or you'll draw back a stump <laughs> yeah <laughs> like holy fuck and um and they, no one bats an eye at him saying mm, that like, everyone's like oh okay good call um another one uh he says to Lewis I can't remember the background of this but he's like your compliment was sufficient Lewis yeah yeah, yeah fucking just so good can I just <clears throat> ask a question to you all mm. I don't understand why he didn't Kill his receptionist. Oh, because he he had his he had his receptionist. He had the nail gun, and then Evelyn called, and then was like, "You know, you're still my little Patrick boy," mm. like doing the baby voice. Yeah, and then she goes, she gets like self conscious and goes, "Oh, you're just using me," blah blah blah. Mm. And then he goes like, "If you stay, I think something bad will happen." Yeah, that I feel like, I don't know that that feels so uncharacteristic to me. I feel like he, knowing him, he would have just been like, "No, no, stay," and then he just would have killed her. Maybe yeah. it's because he thought he would have definitely been caught mm-hmm. if she I got killed. I think at that point, because the, the movie hadn't ended, he hadn't figured some stuff out. Yeah. At that point, he real, he thinks to himself, there's potential for, for me to get caught, right? She's my receptionist. She's one of the closest people to me in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. She might have even put it on her calendar or his calendar. Yeah. Like, you know, just general meet up with those with two. With Patrick, yeah. Um, yeah. It's not like him killing... Uh, Jared Leto's character who like doesn't even know person. who he is. Yeah. Paul Allen doesn't even know who he is. He thinks he's um, Halberstrand. Yeah. yeah. He's not a, like killing um, prostitutes or escorts mm. who have no connection with him. Yeah. So it's someone yeah. really close to him. That's it's like true. if he probably, he, let's say he never once considered to kill Evelyn because yeah. everyone knows that, you know, yeah, oh, Patrick Raymond goes yeah, out he without never, Evelyn. He yeah. never. Yeah. And, and another funny quote just on Evelyn when he he's at that party and then she goes, why did he call you Marcus? And then he goes, mistletoe. Mistletoe alert. Like, mate, that is that, Riz King right yeah, there. Yeah, Riz. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he knows. I think he's somewhat got a grip of who he can kill. It sounds like she's been his receptionist. Well, for that ages. goes back to my word, methodical. Like, he mm. 
knows exactly what he's doing. He what in yeah. his confession he says he's, I don't know, I've killed twenty, maybe forty people. Mm, that's a great scene. Um, yeah. That we didn't touch on. Yeah. But yeah. it really like shows his range. I think a lot of in a lot of the movie he's very cold and you know, blah blah blah. Collected. Apart from obviously and then he when loses it. When he's uh, the the brief moments where he's losing it, like when he's mm. killing Paul Allen or the girls. But then that I I love that scene where he's doing the whole confession and he's and he's being he's like going from He's going from depraved and like scared to like happy. He's like, I just had to kill a lot of people. And he's like really happy. <laughs> I guess I'm a pretty like, sick guy. <laughs> I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. Yeah. And he's like, he, it's like, it's going, it's oscillating yeah. back and yeah. forth, back and forth. That's I some, love yeah, that some of Christian Bale's like best work. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that he's methodical. He knows what he can get away with and what he can't. Like, again, people don't know his name. People don't really care. He can draw the fucking chainsaw and the prostitute that he's killed on a restaurant table and no one's going to blink an eye. Mm. Like, I think he knows that. And I think that his assistant has been with him for a while. Mm-hmm. But when I watched it, I thought like, oh, maybe he can like redeem himself and <laughs> come back from this. And that's why he didn't kill her. But obviously that's not true. <laughs> you think there was going to be a happy ending or something? Did you? And then Always seen American good Psycho people. 2. Yeah, Bateman yeah. goes to rehab. <laughs> <laughs> actually, on that point, there actually is an American Psycho 2. There is. Apparently, it's awful. I <laughs> it went direct to video and no. Mila Kunis is <gasps> the killer. What? What? Yeah. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> Let's, apparently, it's yeah. garbage. Yeah. Apparently, it's, watch it. apparently, it's garbage. Garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates. Make sure to follow us and leave a review on your chosen streaming platforms. Also, check out our Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube channel for more Cinemates content. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge Australia's First Nations people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land and pay respect to the Camaragal people of the Eora Nation upon whose country Cinemates is based. We honour the storytelling and culture of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities across Australia. Also, in the spirit of chatting with mates, remember it's always important to check in with those around you. Whether it's friends, family or colleagues, sometimes they may be going through a hard time. Chatting with them may reassure them that they aren't alone. If you or anyone you know is ever struggling, call Lifeline on 13 11 14.